Do you love the Bad Film Club? Consider supporting us through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you want to give, and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in our show description to support us in any way that you can. We really appreciate it. This is the Bad Film Club, starring Holly Gordon and Shanae Vagaina. Your feature is about to begin. thanks how are you yeah i'm all right we're we're the bad film club we watch bad films obviously yeah i'm holly gordon <laughs> and i'm shanaina vagana and this week we're talking about the horrible horrible aragon 2006 i believe and based on the christopher paulini book of, of the same name i think that was written originally in 2002 and then re-released um in 2003 Oh. So it already had like a massive fan base. Mm. It's about it's a the first in the the novels are so this is the based on the first novel of a cycle of novels of four, and then you know that it was a bad film because they didn't make any of the rest. Yes, it did so. I read that it did so badly that they cancelled the second and third uh, film because they had planned Fox had planned to make this a trilogy, and due to just how badly it received, they cancelled the next sequels. But I think it made its money back, right? Ooh. Um, I wonder how. <laughs> um. <laughs> yeah, because I was just like, although I felt like I saw that it was... Because I just remember it. And I watched it, and I must have been about... How old was I? Like, 12? Yeah, it came. Maybe, so but, yeah, yeah, around like twelve. Came, I was. I must have been. I remember it being bad. Like my consciousness was like, "This is bad." And I think I watched like Van Helsing not that long before, or maybe after. Maybe I wasn't old enough to watch it before. But I thought that was a good film, and then I re and I and I knew consciously that this was a bad film when I watched it at like twelve years old. <laughs> yeah, so this <laughs> had a this film had a budget of a hundred million dollars, and it in the box office made two hundred and fifty point four million dollars. So it did make its money back. Wow! But um, yeah. the film it says the film received widespread negative reviews from critic from critics <laughs> and book fans who criticise acting, screenplay, visuals and unfaithfulness to the source material. I mean, we're going to go into which, all of that which because 100%. holds up so bad. So, <laughs> I can ask... So, the general plot of this film... I haven't read the books, but the general plot of the film is that uh, they're set in a, it's set in a world where that used to be a kind of like these things that people called dragon riders used to kind of be prevalent and it was they were kind of well respected and there was a whole community around it and that that kind of meant that the world sort of flourished then one specific dragon rider decided that he wanted all the power for himself so killed off the rest of the dragon riders and their dragons and then fast and then since then has been kind of like a dictator-esque kind of ruler then we fast forward to Nat to like the film and Aragon, the main character, finds himself with an egg, like a dragon egg, which has been stolen by yep. said dictator, kind of king, and is and then is basically 
the first dragon rider after many many years of there not being any left Mm -hmm. and then kind of it's the story of how he and the rebels fight and essentially defeat the um i guess the opposition i don't know how to basically but the plot is still very thin in this film i think it's obviously Mm, much more yeah definitely still very it's obviously much more thought out and detailed in the book but that's essentially (laughs) that's it really and then also typically it's like magic magic and fantasy set within medieval lifestyle (laughs) yeah like so you can so it's like they don't have electricity but they have magic so <laughs> yeah. That's a good point actually. I didn't think about yeah, that. So So shall we start at the beginning because what you know that a film is bad, firstly. Did I you did you write this. this to say I will listen if you wrote down the same thing as me? <laughs> <laughs> but basically you know it's bad when they just go hard with the explanation in the start. No right then there's so much <laughs> expository things because you know that they know that it doesn't make sense. Yes. Yes. So the way that they there's no world building at all. There's nothing like that's cool or um, cinematically impressive in the first five minutes. That is like, oh, we're gonna open our audience to a, a a dragon film, and it's so boring. And mm-hmm. the explanation is so boring and also quite confusing. And there's all these like names chucked around. Nobody wants to explain. Then you have the stereotypical elf girl like very fair skin very red hair being chased through the forest by a bad man and it's just so stupid and i hate it (laughs) i wrote down similarly that it was like the it's not a good sign when a film opens up with narration from what seems to be like an elder man or elder woman reading a story to essentially the audience slash like younger people they having to use the narration to set the scene because without it you wouldn't know know what was happening yeah you wouldn't know what's happening and i also didn't think i the only i wrote down this has lord of the ring lord of the rings vibes 100 percent But what didn't help with this narration is that it didn't particularly have visuals to match the narration. It was just yeah, it was just like scenic shots of mountains that could have been anywhere, which yeah. like fine is nice. But surely when you're narrating something in, pre- in other films, it's like worked kind of well because you've got or it's worked to the point where you can understand it because it's got visuals that match the narration. This didn't have that. So they could be and because there's so there's like new words and like a language for this universe that you know we are supposed we don't understand what they are because we don't see anything to visualize it so the audience is still completely misunderstood like like they don't understand what's happening at all even after the narration's finished and then yes and like you said we meet this elf this like princess who's just running just running and making weirdly orgasmic faces for a children's film. Yeah. Yeah. I I really just didn't like any of the acting at all. And I love Jeremy Irons. The acting was awful in this film. Like, absolutely awful. Bad. Like, some of maybe the worst performances I've ever seen. And one... John Malkovich is horrendous. I was this. about to say... I wrote down so many of his yeah. lines, but I was just like, 
Why? Be- Why? Because he, he is the first. He's the first character to speak after the narration ends, and he says, mm. "I suffer without my stone. Do not prolong my suffering." And I li- and that's the first line of a character after like the narrator. What kind of opening line is that? Because <laughs> I went like I base. I feel like basic writing or just basic like skills of when you're like dialogue is like don't have like suffer and suffering there's like you should feel like you shouldn't have them in the same sentence like you know like they're too similar do you know what i mean like it feels Mm. repeated anyway it just felt like a really stupid line to open on and it just made me it just set the tone of what the dialogue was going to be for the for the next like 90 minutes i was like interesting (laughs) so you know that we're friends because i wrote down the exact same line (laughs) so it was really stupid and then i was really and then I was really distracted by the guy that plays Derza because he's Rumpelstiltskin in Once Upon a Time, you know, that TV show. Oh, yeah. And I was like, he looks exactly the same. And he always plays this really weird, creepy man. He's so good at it. He is but... really creepy in this film, I will say. Like him and those like men he creates, like from the ground. Yeah, are very but, And then as you go on, there's a lot of, um, he does a lot of weird horror. They, they nail the makeup in this because he gets some, or is it the CGI, actually? He gets some great face shots of his creepy, creepy face. Yeah. Cause, yeah. And, it, and that's good. So I think it's good to note that this is this director, Stefan Fangmeier. It was his directorial debut. Ooh. And you can tell. You can tell. I had a lot of um, issues with the direction because this film is... Uh, this film is... A hundred and oh my god, <laughs> this film is one hundred and three minutes long. The extended edition is one hundred and four. What's that one extra minute? I mean, it. But like, why? What is that why? <laughs> but but also, of... it felt like one hundred and three minutes. Yeah, that this film, the pacing is so bad, and I think that's also due to the direction of it because mm. the because there were so many re- unnecessary and very stupid slow motion shots. It's just so yep. janky, which makes the pacing very yes. like very very uncomfortable which and i feel like that this happens with a lot of films or maybe a lot of bad films that we we've, we've spoken about but it means that then like the lot of the main chunk of the film is used just for expl- explaining shit yeah and then the app you know highlight you know important bit of the film they leave it to the last 20 minutes and it pisses me off 100 pisses me off so much because i'm just like you guys it's like pacing we've said this before about other films but like this it felt like you know it felt like the first kind of cut or like the first kind of early yeah, cuts uh-huh. of a film that could have been edited better definitely and you can definitely tell so he this director Stephen Spangmeier he's been involved in directing a lot of visual effects of films so you can tell because the visual effects are good when they're there mm. but the pacing is so bad what you said it's so janky there's so many stupid slow-mos there's so many unnecessary scenes in this film that it's just like you could have halved it and then explained stuff because there's so many shots of the elf girl aria and she's just they're just literally showing close-ups of her face having i think she's trying it's her acting is quite bad so she i think she's trying to have visions and it's just her looking like she's like lying on the on a stone table looking like she's having that when she's, weird orgasms. That when she's and a it's, prisoner, isn't it? She's been captured. Yeah, and I, it's just really creepy and unnecessary and very strange to have in a film marketed for children. Mm-hmm. 
Like, I felt uncomfortable and I didn't... I, I don't feel like it was necessary to the plot of this film. The direction of how characters acted, the character design, whether or not it's how they performed mm. on screen and then costumes. I have some notes for the costumes too. Some notes. I have some, but it's just, it felt like they were... I don't know, because it, 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 it's one of these like fantasy, big fantasy films that you, you kind of have... There is like ways to communicate to like communicate and to show specific things happening but they chose like it kind of was like it felt like the first thought of in there that came to mind when they were like yeah. this is how we want you to have visions we want you to act this specific way and then maybe she did it and then no one told her that she was bad like no one corrected her <laughs> but but there's so many good fantasy films for children for example and that have source material like this has a wealth of source material so Christopher Palmoni's book is good. Like he wrote it at nineteen years old. Like it's yeah, it's pretty good a, for a nineteen year old. He's a smart person. I read about him. Yeah, yeah, and you know that those that set that collection of books is widely loved. Like it wouldn't have sold. I think it sold like thirty five million copies. People don't buy stuff that they think is shit. You know. Yeah. And it's very like it has so much potential because it has that Lord of the Rings potential. You know all that it has so much world building in the book and it's really sad that they didn't capitalize on it they just kind of lazily chucked it together mm. and there's ways of doing it like i don't know if you've ever seen Inkheart, so brendan fraser's in it and that's a really really good adaptation of a book because the book is really good and the film is quite good and there's just ways to do it in that aren't lazy and this felt really lazy i think so and also in the same way and also in the same vein very boring like i've i've written in my notes so many times like 14 minutes in i'm so bored <laughs> but even even at the end my first, my last thing was just like i can't i'm so glad that this film is over it, yeah because the boredom really you you like uh you realize that you're bored because you zone yeah. out from what they're saying and what's yeah, happening on screen and then you realize like why am i doing this like, like and i think that has that's like and that's a response because of just like all the things we mentioned like the just how people are on how the, the presence on screen is not captivating enough the dialogue is really crap yeah. and they haven't used the source material to its full, full extent and they haven't think, thought of a creative way to explain the folklore and backstory of this world so it's like nothing's really engage <laughs> basically nothing about this film is engaging except for probably how bad yeah. it is maybe but that's not like a real like but it's not even so bad it's good yeah it's, it's just, just bad. it's just bad that you would turn if like you would turn it off or you just wouldn't even commit to watching it from the beginning because it's just like like no, within I, like I with agree. with the, like you like you said within like the first like what 15 minutes like you can kind of tell it's not there's no way of saving it, which is sad, which is not good. <laughs> yeah, and th there's a lot of explanation. As you said, there's so much... The, the way that you know that the dialogue is bad and the pacing is bad is that even though they're explaining it, basically every 15 minutes, someone makes some sort of expository speech so that there's some explanation mm. of what is happening or the folklore or the myth or whatever the world building is mm. people have to explain that in their speech because they're not as you said in uh, earlier here is there's no visual cues for anything Literally. and you just really don't know what's happening and then it's just like oh 
we should know what's happening, but it doesn't make sense. And I don't care enough. Yeah, it's kind of like we don't have, like, there's no... Because there's in a lot of, like, fantasy genre films and TV shows, there's, like, obviously there's, like, different languages, different, new like, monsters, new things, new creatures that we're introduced to. And, like, they... A, successful fantasy films have good like have showed it and explained it in a way that the audience can understand it. and it specifically if the film is based off something like a book so when a book is hard like if a book is difficult to adapt like adapt but they've still done it well enough that we can understand like i feel like you know lord of the rings is another reference but lord of the rings is is good and does well because like they they like they explain certain things carefully and like they know they've written it well enough that like it's simple enough for us to understand even though it's like supposedly complicated and those books are not yeah easy they were they're not easy reads let alone easy to adapt anyway are they well they're big yeah exactly but that's the thing that's how you know a script is bad because you already have the source material you're literally you're just translating it for screen which is is hard but is not as hard as doing it from scratch i think it's easier to be uh, yeah and it's also it's just quite easy to do it badly and but but then i feel like it's like when it's easy but the thing is you know you should know that going in and like like i said it also like like the direction this script also feels like very early drafts maybe it was rushed yeah and fantasy kind of lends itself to to screen you know like it already has that inbuilt pacing and that quality of 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 cinematography of a cinematic presence yeah there's a lot like that's yeah. why people read fantasy books that's why they're so popular that's why we still read them now like we'll still people still read lord of the rings now you know like those things endure because people see them in their heads in different ways like they don't have to be in translated into film but i feel like they lend themselves to filmmaking and then it's really disappointing when you just see them kind of wasted like this because i feel like this could have been a really good this could have been rivaled like harry potter if they'd done it well yeah i wrote i mean i we can leave this we could probably discuss this at the end but i mentioned now like i did write down halfway through this film like this probably would have worked better as a tv show uh oh 100 but we can netflix take yeah it. so like i mean if they decide to ever revisit it probably could work better as like a mini series um because yeah you have then the time and the space to like really get into that detail that is obviously important to explain but you do it in a better way yeah so we're introduced to Aragorn because <laughs> he decided he's he goes hunting and like we've said this elf yep. princess is running away from these people because she's stolen <gasps> a what people think is a stone I would are you all stupid? I was like, what stone? I... Who's running around with a stone that big? First of all, that is not a stone. That is a giant blue jelly bean. Second of all, <laughs> like that was a jelly bean. I swear to God. And it also what maybe like what actually was kind of interesting for the whole time it was a it was a because it's a, it's not a stone. Obviously, it's an egg. But these people are dumb. Um, it's um it's the most colourful thing in every yeah. scene it's in. That's the one thing I noticed. Yeah, and I was yeah. like, oh, that's interesting. Well, it's nice. It's just like, because it's obviously different to the, the natural earth tones because they all live like, they're all wearing beige and they're all wearing brown and it's all 
the woods and then it's just like this on this like mythical thing magical thing and it's like bright blue but yeah that was just something i noticed so i have a question for you yeah what did you think of that so that kind of first sequence did you think it was really jarring how they went between Arya and aragon was it just me because it was like adventure music and then she's making really horrible moany sounds and she's like really breathing heavily and they're real close-ups of her bare skin and her face and then they're just like jauntily following Aragorn hunting in the woods and it's very jarring it felt very like um strange I agree it felt very strange I didn't like it that it was really loud when it was when she was framed and she was like it was the music was very very loud and she also like you said framed where she basically was supposed to she was made to look naked and it was like that's gross mm. then you go to Aragorn who is like hunting a deer you could literally just could be like playing some random music like it's just it's very un, it's very just like it's it's like too much of one extreme then suddenly too much of another extreme so then you just kind of feel a bit overwhelmed because of it and then you kind yeah. of, I feel like because of that, you're so distracted by how overwhelming the cuts are that you kind of miss the whole thing that happens yeah. because what she does is she says a spell, she gets caught surrounded and then she says a spell which essentially transports the egg to um, where Aragorn is and as he shoots his arrow to kill the deer, it actually just like misses, the deer runs off and it hits a tree and then the egg is in the place of the deer and he's just like, yeah. wow, a stone. And I instantly <laughs> just thought, okay, this guy's dumb. Because yeah, he did it, like, there's so many, mo- there's, I mean, there's more moments in the film where he literally shows that he has the IQ of like a, like a slug or something. I don't fucking know. He does not say that many lines in this film. No, I feel like he has one. I of- should have written, I should have kept, kept count of how many words he actually says, because I think I could have counted them. <laughs> I have a lot of like questions about like specifically his, dialogue and his acting well not questions just like comments um but so previously we're also he brings this stone with this egg home and we find out that he's like a farmer and he lives with his uncle and his cousin and i at first because yeah. i didn't know that like the whole didn't know the scenario i thought they were brothers because they look very similar and i thought oh, okay if he had... that's a really good point I... and i thought that was a good thing because i was just like they actually look like they would be related yeah, I, I enjoyed that's it that's what i thought i you know they it's did... so annoying when they take when they like just cast two people and they just look nothing alike <laughs> and i'm like come on siblings do have very similar features and like these this was good casting but then so yeah he works on a farm do you know who that guy is no who is he have you ever seen that terrible film Letters to Juliet? No. We'll do that on the podcast. Oh, no. <laughs> so horrible. No. But he's in that with Amanda Seyfried and it's and Vanessa Redgrave, who is just a joy. <gasps> and he, he's in that film and I was like, why do I know his face? Why do I know his face? He's, his voice is so annoying. Mm. and i was just like it's him <laughs> and he grows up and he looks exactly the same oh. which is very weird because that doesn't really happen no oh my god but he looks exactly the well, same well the uncle this shows my upbringing the uncle is a famous english actor and he's like famous for like being on like typical bbc true like like crime yeah he was on uh he's that like um new tricks he was on and I was like, yeah, yeah. His name's Alan Armstrong. Yeah. And you know what else he's in? He's in the fucking Mummy, isn't he? He's the he's <gasps> the priest. 
Oh and I always, goodness. when I was a kid, I always thought that was an Arab actor, and then it made me really angry when I grew up, and I was incensed that it was a white man. Of course. But, like... Yeah. Of course. Right. But, actually, I do have a... Po- I, later, I do have points about, in this film, we've got some... Uh, not whitewashing, I'd say, but we've got some insensitive... Uh, insensitive things going on that I noticed but um we'll talk about that later but yeah so we're like introduced to like their family situation I now finishing have finished the film now after watching the film again they've obviously they obviously this okay they also obviously wrote this film thinking that they were going to guarantee the second and third one because which you a hundred percent because like definitely like I would imagine the second and third film would have probably introduce Aragorn's mum because he's like eh, like the mum like ditched me when I was a kid and then like yeah we have a conversation about her for like five ish minutes and then she's obviously never mentioned again but then like I feel like they probably yeah. would have explored her if the if it they got the sequels but um hun they end this film on a cliffhanger you know that they were going for the next ones and then and then they just did not get it yeah the ending of this film is just <laughs> awful um and this is like the time that they did a series of unfortunate events and they were like, yeah, we're going to make a new one and then they never made yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, so he's just like chilling in the barn or something and the... and the Okay. <laughs> Sorry. And then okay. the egg hatches <laughs> and then he's like, what, what is that? A bird? <laughs> and I wanted to slap his stupid face. I literally wrote down the same thing I wrote down. Does he not know what a dragon is? <laughs> like... Who's who's like? Oh yeah, that that's the bird. It's got scales, you absolute moron. He's a farmer. How has he never seen a bird before? (laughs) Oh my god! I literally just like some a grown adult wrote this script and thought that was a good thing to do. I've never, I've never in my twenty-seven years experienced such stupid dialogue from someone. The stupidity. (laughs) I've oh, I was so. Surprise! I was so taken back by it. I felt offended. Like, <laughs> awful. Yeah, like I feel like we should just like rewatch the Meg instead. This was so. It was so bad. No. Oh my god. And then, so he's wondering. He's asking, "What is this animal?" When it's obviously a dragon. Can I just say one other thing? Yeah, go for is it. Is that when the egg hatches, he's surprised, but not so surprised that he's like, "Holy fucking shit! What is this blue thing coming out of a rock?" He's not. Like, he's not very. He's, what he just doesn't flinch. He doesn't stutter. Nothing. He's not very reactive or like responsive. Like he doesn't respond emotionally. He's very laid back in the about most situations until he kind of like realizes that he's like essentially special in the film. Yeah. But yeah, I kind of like to me if like I was expecting like a, like a, oh my god a shock like a taken aback like he's sad like a dramatic dramatic. He response. just smiles at it. I was like, oh, my little stone is hatching. It's so stupid. (laughs) It's so stupid. It's like, I think maybe it was like a, he didn't know how to act with the, you know, the thing that they use instead of the CGI. Oh, I I don't think it was a person, but, you know, I feel like maybe he couldn't do it. And I do feel that that was that. I do feel bad. I will lie. I I will say I do feel slightly bad for actors who have to basically act. You know, you've seen like the back, the behind the scenes clips of early on CGI where they basically use like a tennis ball at the end of a stick. 
to yeah. like pat a, a, what is essentially a mythical animal or something a mythical creature yeah, yeah and yeah. i do feel slightly bad for that actors who really have to try super hard to be like emotional to like a tennis ball can i just say though i i, I get your point but i'm also like it's your job exactly <laughs> also don't sign don't sign up to a, a film like this if you don't think you can do it yeah. If you know that it's going to have a, if it's a fantasy film, it means it's going to have a lot of CGI and a lot of like empty space that you're just going to have to like act. I think my personal, my, like not saying that I'm an actor or ever will be, but like my personal thing about it is that I'd be too self-aware. You're acting and doing all yeah. of this imba- stuff that you're really embarrassed about in front of a big, big crew of people that you obviously, yeah. and it's just like too much for me. <laughs> Not that I'm ever yeah, gonna do it, uh, but like it's just—I mean, that's but that's why we aren't actors, right? No. Because I could not do it. Maybe, but then I'm also like, I, my, but it's your job. You like you read the script before you took on this project. My reason I'm not an actor is because if I have to kiss someone on screen, I would fall in love with them instantly. So how do you not fall in love with every <laughs> single person that you you kiss? <laughs> <laughs> so that's the reason I can't uh, be an actor. I have too much of it. I have a slide into her DMs, guys. <laughs> <laughs> I have a bigger heart and I don't know and I don't know how to control my feelings for people um, anyway so like he's hatching he's asked what is that <laughs> and then like I have like, some complaints about the design of this dragon go why has it got feathers okay so I read this because I said the same thing and they were like well we wanted to have like a bird like feel so that it would like look great when it fly when it flew it didn't look great when it flew so we gave it well so they said we gave it a hybrid we called them gathers like scales and feathers and then i threw my laptop out of the window no i didn't but i felt like it <laughs> what we need to burn this film to the ground like this is <laughs> the i need to oh my oh no i need to i need to drink it so what is it scathers scathers yeah Oh my goodness. Guys, you could do better. Um, oh my God, I'm sorry. Okay, yes, I didn't like it. And like, also, he, as like the dragon got older, we could kind of see it when it was a baby dragon. I thought it was kind of cute. I like like little mythical creature babies. They're really cute. But like, it had little like hair in it. So I guess that's also like, you know, a bird. Then that, then that doesn't mean it's a dragon. Oh, that's so stupid, man. Like, have they not read a book? But then also, it just grows. It goes into the clouds and it just grows. And then he's like, oh, you're not a bird. And I'm just like, how, what, how, why is it taking you so long? He's an idiot. It grew in like literally the space of five seconds it's grown. And it's not, it wasn't five seconds in film time, like a montage. It literally went into the clouds and then came back down as a fully formed fucking dragon. I have so many questions about like the timeline of this film too. And like the space of this, how long this whole film, like, the time in this world it takes because some there are moments where like you know it's suddenly nighttime and then suddenly daylight blah blah blah, blah. i don't know it's <gasps> okay can we talk about this so basically i feel like this bit of the film is kind of irrelevant the uncle get someone is looking for aragon because they know that a dragon rider has found a drag the dragon has found the dragon rider and the dragon egg is hatched and they don't know who it is and then they find out it's a farm boy. The king has found it. They found out because of his like his right yeah. his right hand man so, is is like a possessed witchy guy. Yeah, and basically they then go to the village that is nearby where Aragorn's family lives, 
and the butcher gives him up and he's like, it's a boy, his name's Aragorn, he came to me with the rock, the rock and um, blah, blah, blah. So anyway, in this ensuing chase, Aragorn's uncle is killed, but the dragon saves him and <laughs> then he just goes off on one and is just like blaming the dragon for his uncle's death when she saved his life. So it's the premise, like the plot points in this film are really stupid because the motivations are really stupid mm -hmm. and then they don't make sense. Yeah. And then there's a scene where the dragon has, he's like banished the dragon. The dragon is gone. Then Jeremy Irons, who's like the town drunk who we later find out is used to be a dragon rider, but his dragon died. He comes looking for Aragorn and he's like, oh my God, I can't believe it's you. That's the dragon rider, blah, blah, blah. Then he does like a impromptu funeral for the uncle and then is like, they were looking for you. They've burnt, they've like killed your uncle. They're looking for you. Like he was not your, he was not the target. You're like, you need to leave. And Aragorn's like having his whiny boy face. And then they leave the village and then it coincidentally starts raining, but not just fitting. Torrential rain. Full on torrential mm -hmm. rain. Then. There's a scene of them going up the mountain. It's sunny. Then they get to their destination and it's foggy in the space of 15 seconds. Literally, like, it's... And it, this is not this is not the first time, uh, d like, night turns into day or day turns into night, like, ridiculously yeah. quickly to the point where it doesn't make sense and it's way too jarring. jarring. I really don't understand. Again, this is all written in this... This must be written in the script. Again, doesn't make sense. So, yes. So now we've got to the point where, like, they're on to a journey. Do they say... They say kind of where they're heading because they're going to the where the rebels live, aren't they? Yeah, so there's a mountain close or something. A, a mountain... There's, like, a, mount, a mountain road and they have to get that. So the rebels are called the Varden and they have to get there. And it's just a shit show because it... it I feel like a lot of things happen, but they're so spaced out. And then when the action does happen, it's really anticlimactic. The action is boring. Like, it's not interesting. Yeah. It's not, like, interesting fight scenes or, like... Even the climatic scene, the the final battle is... Yeah. yeah, it's so stupid. And it's just, like, none... Like, it. they have that stupid little bit of, like... Um... Oh, and they, so when they're, like... I mean, we could also, they do the whole description thing like we've mentioned, like, um, you know, Jeremy Irons, has, he finds out he's a dragon, we find out that he used to be a dragon rider. So because of that, he is used as a way to explain the laws and magic of dragons and the relationship to their riders and how, like, it seems a bit unfair, I'm not going to lie. Like, a, a dragon can die, but the rider can live. But if a rider dies, then the dragon also dies. And then it also, but then, and then your connection is like connected by a scar on your hand. And then, like, you can also yeah. read each other's minds. It's the telepathy involved and feelings. And then also magic. You're also a magic magician at the same time. It feels. Yeah. There's a lot I going on. I feel like on. that was an interesting point, though. I, I wrote that down too. Um, what a shit fate. The, the rider can live without the dragon, but if a rider dies, so does Draggy. Yeah, it just feels a bit um, like... Um, there's a bit... It's quite dark, isn't it's it? It's a bit of a, like an ownership issue there, that for me. Like, I feel... Like... Yeah, so I wrote that. I was just like, but in, 
it's really interesting because it brings up the the questions of like power dynamic, especially in fantasy films. I think, yeah, and fantasy in general, that kind of power dynamic of who is more that who's more valuable, who's like it brings up questions of like how if we bring it into like basics of like animals versus humans, and then like Severa, the dragon is female, and the boy is the rider, and she like really values his life over her own. And it's really interesting the like parallels it brings up and the questions it brings up, but they never talk about it. They just let him treat her like shit, and she saves his ass. She's and then she's she yeah. like she's the reason he has magic, and he's a little shit. Yeah, and like Jeremy Irons says, oh, your connection with um your dragon is really strong, and like is like hit, it, sort of implying that it's probably one of the strongest he's ever seen i assume also because he's probably one of the first right like dragon riders after so much time of not having them but like it is it always this is what fantasy films also like make me think of like even like ones from like this like this era so like early 2000s even ones now like how do we how do uh people like humans in fantasy films treat animals and like because i mean I mean, I guess, like, the one thing I can think of is, like, in Harry Potter, uh, animals are... House elves. House elves. you got Spew. It's not obviously mentioned in the films, yeah. but it's mentioned in the books. Yeah, Like, yeah. Hermione sets up Spew, and then we later know that she actually, like, is able to pass um, laws that protect werewolves, etc., and, like, help them get jobs. But there's still... It's just, like, that compared to this, where, like, these... This, like... She, I don't know, like... It just really bugged... There's something that's really bugged me about, like, the weird... Like, the weird, you know, back and forth between them. The relationship feels very unequal and feels very uneven. And she feels so... She's, like, so dependent, like, so loyal to him. And he's just a scrawny 17-year-old boy. And I'm just like, you definitely... And I was you but also when he said 17 when you just like lol 17 my ass that's like 10 years younger than us it's like you literally know yeah but i know but i was just like you don't you're not 17 hun no but also like he's not 17 how old is he when he played this film he's like definitely in his 20s playing a 17 year old can we not do that (laughs) as well yeah for sure it just felt very strange also like okay i'm not gonna i don't want to bring i'm gonna bring another film into it because this is another point but how how to train your dragon I knew you were gonna say that. <laughs> don't, don't let me. Finish. What a film! Let me what finish. a film! Basically, I don't know if you. If sorry, if I'm gonna about to spoil the whole trilogy to you. Sorry, but the last film is obviously they've now the main all the characters got older. Blah 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 blah. The whole point of the film and the whole point of the trilogy you find out is that like these Vikings know that these dragons exist and they've been for the last like you know three films they've been you know using them for like as like pets keeping those pets having great relationships with them but they're always in danger so they decide to let them free and go to the secret hideaway you know world where they know that they exist but they like keep their distance because they know it's better for them and i always think about and then that your point of like this like respect human and animal respect and that relationship and then obviously like you know some like she's a female dragon he's a male you know human that kind of like why is it better why is the respect relationship of respect shown better again a children's film but like a beautifully animated film compared to this which feels like the i don't know 
there's just something about it. Like, I just, like, thought about... And also because it's dragons, I thought that there'd be, like, you know, interesting point. But that's just my, like... But no, I definitely sum up. I I definitely agree with you, and I feel like this is a problem in fantasy writing as well as film. Like, there's a lot of fantasy adaptations that have been taken, and it's a lot. A lot of them are by men, and there's this whole like power dynamic that isn't really discussed, and you see it even trickle down to kids' books and films, where it's kind of you know the children are fighting for like the soul of the country and it's kind of got that dystopian vibe as well and you know they're trying to side with the rebels and all this kind of stuff but it also has this undercurrent of both sexual politics and race politics Mm. that people like to explain away but that's what writing does like these are all metaphors these are all allegories and people like to I feel like people are always like, oh no, take it for what it is. It's a fucking fantasy book about a dragon. Like, what? You don't think that there's meaning imbued in all of these things? Of course there is. Yeah. And it's really interesting because I feel like films should capitalise on that. And they do, but in the most obvious way. So, like, the pretty, very white-skinned girl is, like, the one that he goes to save and he will forsake everything. So the freedom of everyone the freedom of his dragon, the choice of his dragon, the the life of his dragon, he'll risk it for this girl. And then he's supposed to rescue her. Mm. And she's just like, why did you come for me? Like, I'm not, I don't need this. Yeah. And, and it's just like all of these things that we never, I feel like aren't really emphasised. And all of these decisions are stupid and irrelevant and they don't contribute to the story or the plot or the character arcs yeah i was and they still do them and it's boring i also think that like um uh the you can tell that so a lot like you said a lot of the that this this the book series for well aragon book series that the book series was written by a man this called the inheritance yeah and then these this film was directed by a man and written by man men i guess man yeah yeah like you can tell like this then this so Fantasy is already very kind of uh, male dominated, like a male dominated genre, whether or not it's film or books. But then, and um, and then that, like, obviously, when it's an ad- adapted, we have that like stereotypical hero and that stereotypical damn like she's. I don't know. This is a thing. I like you have these female characters who can obviously fight and run and do magic themselves but then when it comes to the really serious moment when they surely when they definitely could probably get themselves out of the situation themselves a man has to come and save them and do the job for it and it's just like (laughs) she's proven herself like 10 times over throughout the whole film that she could probably do it herself even better because she knows she it's it's, you know what's also annoying is that like the main character this it, this happens in this film too, but it happens in a lot of films. That the main character finds out about his like powers or whatever makes him special, specialness, specialness whatever makes yeah, him special. Yeah, like, yeah. Literally, like half an hour, maybe forty-five minutes into the film, and then suddenly is like, and then is classed as the hero and saves the person who's probably got way more experience and has grown up in this world. And it's we see this a lot. I'm now thinking about it. We see it a lot in like so many different films. In like different in different variations and different ways, but it's really frustrating, and like that's another yeah. issue. But... Oh, it's like um, and you see it a lot in films like this that are, um, that have a world building to them, 
and are adapted from books. So you see here in Percy Jackson, which is also another horrible adaptation of a book series. And the Lemony Snicket book. So the series of unfortunate events. All of these are like really good book series and have so much better character building, world building, character arcs, Mm -hmm. um, vision, all of this stuff. And then they're just not done well on screen and it makes me sad because there's so much potential for it. I have, like, I'm going to mention Harry Potter again quickly because I have one of my two, I will take this to my grave, one of my biggest pet peeves about the films is that, first of all, J.K. Rowling, whatever, she wrote the books and she wrote, she did a great job at building a world and developing these characters and, like, arguably some of the best character developments, like, across, like, seven books you we will maybe like i've like growing up as a kid read and then like Mm. the films like you can basically the films are written by a man who obviously like who i adamantly to this day don't believe do not believe has read the books like i like he obviously has but like i don't think he properly read them so like the the big pet peeve of mine is that hermione is dumbed down and she's not and ron is dumbed down as well Ron is dumbed down ron out of the main three characters is a pure blood wizard and like knows so much basic shit that neither that neither hermione who was brought up by two dentists in the in like the muggle (laughs) world of course she wouldn't fucking know it not even from a book and harry who has no fucking clue what's happening half the time like like (laughs) he's ron is just generally he like he's street smart because he's grown up in this world like of course he would know so many different Mm. things but basically this is this is a general pet peeve of mine. Snape's lines in the book and Malfoy's lines in the book have been given to Ron in the films to make him look like more of a bully, which basically, um, and it plays mm. into that kind of like uh, thing of like, oh, boys are mean to girls when it actually means that they like them. And it like encourages that kind yeah. of like, not like frustrating thing and then and a lot of the um smart things that hermione says are said by other people or just not said at all like she's yeah it's just so frustrating and it's like one of those things about fantasy but, films and just like how women how like female characters are completely adapted adapted differently to film oh, to com- like a, to appease yeah. a, like an audience that like Def- like I don't know it, what audience are you but trying you to But you know what them? would happen if they but if they made Hermione what she's like on screen as to what she's like in the book they would call her bossy they would call her all these adjectives that are centered around women but also and I'm not a big fan of Emma Watson like I find her really screechy I don't think she's, she's a not, good Hermione come at no, me No she's not she's argue not. with me I don't care but like um I'm talk- I'm yeah I just don't think that she is I think she's really screechy and I don't enjoy it Hermione's my one of my favorite characters, um, but the films like I don't hold in good stead because they dress Parvati Patel and Padma Patel in the most horrendous lengas I've ever seen in my entire life. Mm-hmm. Jesus Christ! Some white people. Anyway, side note. <laughs> yeah. Some white people dress, <laughs> but, so dress they, those dress them completely. But I think it's really interesting what you've addressed because it's obvious. This obvious dichotomy. So either they, when they adapt women female characters, especially in fantasy, you see it a lot is they adapt them like Hermione Granger. Or then they do this thing that they've done with Arya in this film, where she really doesn't say much. I think she has about five lines in this film. And they're all subservient lines or self... um, Not deprecating. They're like... They kind of serve Aragorn more than they serve her. 
and mm-hmm. they just are like deferred to to men and there's a lot of then a lot of it is just like close-ups of her face um using her as a foil to get Aragorn to fall into a trap and then you know he saves her and she's suddenly dying and there's all of this stuff where she's just so helpless but she's an elf princess like she has a whole character arc and backstory to herself but in this she's just like yeah. a she's already on his arm like it's she's already proven like in the first 15 minutes of the film she proves she proves that she's powerful because she can transport an egg like she can (laughs) like she transports something (laughs) and she can use her power but the minute then she's captured she completely like it's kind of just like she then becomes a tool or like a prop essentially a prop in herself she like to like um and like then what another motivation for Aragorn because they can connect like telepathically or through magic or whatever and then like yeah like and then she they I mean we haven't really spoken about the film much but like you know (laughs) she does she gets she gets injured as well so then she becomes even more useless yeah but then they do my least favourite trope of they then give them some weird love story (laughs) and where that came so far out of left field like where did it come from I was like, what? Like, at the end, they're supposed to be in love with each other. Like, what? He's Because he's got a crush on her, so they're supposed to, like, she's supposed to reciprocate it, and she, we'll, we'll meet again tomorrow. Shut up. Yeah, I like, they don't meet, like, until, properly until, like, a good, over, over halfway through the film, they don't meet, and mm-hmm. we're supposed to f- believe from that, like, that, that they got chemistry, and that they're going to fall in love. Again, this is probably written as a way, assuming that they're going to have two more films to develop this, like, yeah, relationship. Yeah, that's true. But, um... It's so okay. stupid. So another thing it's I really so want to talk about to Go you on. is how necessary did you feel like the Joss Stone scene was? <laughs> <laughs> this... this like, Let's talk this about scene, it. This scene, it's like, this scene is this other... The other scene, I think, is where... Um, nighttime. T- nighttime turns to oh, turns turns. No, day turns yeah, into it turns, night. It goes from nighttime to night, and then daylight in the tent, and then it goes to night when he goes outside. Mate, it's literally like yeah. in the minute or four minutes, like literally four four minutes, and it's suddenly a different, completely different time yeah. of day, and it's so really that Josh Stone scene. Wasn't it really weird? I had some questions. Because this is when I started. I to, have a this lot is, of This notes. is when I started to note down stuff about specific costume ch- choices as well, because yeah, um, yep. costume. Lay it like, on me. Costume, obviously, costume choices are like. Their costume is really important in films, I think, because it's another visual element that you can, and it obviously it's like like fashion in like art in the normal world. It's it's a way of expressing yourself. Mm. Her costume is obviously. It hit a bit of a thing with me because i was like okay interesting cool this is 2005 2006 like obviously no one everyone decided like people knew what appropriation was but we weren't like actively talking about it but like come on guys this is a white but this is a white woman also like i didn't know that joss stone could act and i don't know if that was acting it just felt really funny to me babe she can't like (laughs) like it just felt really funny (laughs) it felt really ridiculous to have this like kind of like tarot card slash like you know fortune teller vibe on the on like a rickety kind of village that was built on top of water it felt very kind of like a different mixture of different bits of culture that were just like like you know mushed together and then it just felt like and then the actual scene was just pointless because we don't really like 
find out about we don't like reference his future ever again like how did it make the final cut of the film i don't understand cut it out also considering josh stone is more famous for her singing and her music than she is for her acting why if they had to have a contract with her then why not just put her on the uh put her on the uh soundtrack along with avril lavigne yeah we'll talk about that I feel like they really did our living dirty. Like, May, they that is that, that oh, to- May, we'll I'm get, so angry. May, we'll get to the music. This film. Oh yeah. my God. We'll get to the soundtrack. But, but yeah. I, I definitely agree with you. So, Joss Stone is a fortune teller. She refers to herself in the third person. Mm-hmm. She's so cringe. She doesn't really look at the camera. Um, I guess because she's supposed to be blind. I think they put cataracts in her eyes or something. And I thought she just basically, I thought she was like, I thought that bit was like more she was just like telling a fortune so her like eyes went cloudy i thought it was magic maybe that was like oh maybe yeah yeah yeah, definitely i have no um idea. and the scene was just really unnecessary and she doesn't give us anything that we don't already know it just gives like these weird half truths that are then never spoken about again which i think was really weird because why set up for it if you if you're not going to do anything with it that was definitely like we're contractually obliged to have her in this film but she's like really credited for it as well it's she's i think on the dvd cover like her name is on the front oh come on okay yeah that is really funny but i i wonder if like because she was obviously i want maybe it kind of coincided with the fact that she was her like her music career was quite big and popular at that time and yeah, she's i wonder if she was on tour at that she time was quite, yeah, they were just like yeah yeah and she was quite like known for her like bohemian uh she is like she's like quite like bohemian like folk Hippie. hippie kind of performer, yeah. performer. So like they thought, oh, she'd be the best fit. Do you know what it also reminded me? It kind of looked like a slight rip off of like, I mean, Pirates of the Caribbean hadn't come out yet, but it yeah, no, reminded I me. Completely of, agree with like Tia Dama. It reminded yeah, me of like for sure um, that, even though they've yeah, this came first. But it was really stupid. Also, she like you said, she didn't really explain much, and she didn't it like everything that she said was kind of just like pointless because then Jeremy Irons comes back and it's just like actually gives us actual useful information because that's the first time we yeah. see Aragorn actually use magic. And he says the word yeah. that it basically essentially means fire, which I yeah. read, which like I then read up about. And there's a lot of like Norse and old English words in the, this world, which is like very typical. Yeah, very because typical. he made a whole language. Christopher Paoloni made a whole language. These men have so much time on their hands. They make a whole... I mean, he was like 14. Like he read it. He wrote it in his teens. You have loads of time when you're a teenager. I know. What a nerd. Um, I mean, to do fun stuff, but I guess he had fun doing this. Yeah, thing. I know. I know. There's all... But it with is. this fantasy thing, there always comes with like... There always comes a language, an extra language, doesn't it? It's just interesting. But like, he says... So he uses, <laughs> he uses magic for the first time. And I think that was like... Because we've previously been told yeah. that like Aragorn has like loads of power within him and he's just like what you mean what do you mean and he doesn't get it and then it's like I- oh finally he just is like on instinct just says this like word that he's never said before and i'm like all oh, right yeah but also i felt like because they've shown magic in this film before then him doing magic and then straight away passing out was so stupid <laughs> and underwhelming yeah and then of course he passes out and then of course we've got to Je- we go back to jerry irons again explaining that magic has limits and rules yeah and, and it's just like and your body has to be as strong you know to withstand i it. have some questions about this strength thing because he the it, i understand different fantasy films and books have different rules laws you know 
expectations for like certain things so like we obviously have magic has got a different has different rules and limitations in lord of the rings compared to harry potter compared to you know percy jackson and compared to all this as well however i have never really considered that dragons have like a specific like dragons like have limitations too like i know because they're just giant lizards yeah. aren't they so they seem they seem strong but should they go on for a lot of the film saying how like she's the dragon is really weak like she can't blow fire which i thought was like you just kind of assume that dragons could always breathe fire when like they're from the when they yeah. hatch and like she there's a bit in like later on in the film where she's like carrying three humans and she's like it's too heavy <laughs> and i'm like that's exactly what I was gonna say. I was yeah. like, it's two, three human adults are too heavy for a dragon to carry, and I was just thinking like, so how? Str- I'm how like, they're not even the size of one of your vertebrae. Like, like what? So like, how strong is this dragon if she can't carry three humans? Yeah. Is she really like a powerful creature? Is this the whole? Is this thing even like that big of a deal? Like, it was very confusing, and I just I like it because it was like I I like that there's like obviously different worlds and different ways of telling fantasy and there's different rules and stuff and different details that's fine but like when they actively just like kind of go against what you imagine and that what makes sense like it feels really stupid <laughs> so like it doesn't no, i definitely i totally I'm agree just like why like can, yeah. I, can i just say something about the first flight i thought that was really fun though i felt like i would i feel like they should make that film that film that that bit a ride in disney oh yeah yeah, that was really fun. I enjoyed that. That is fun. That was my favorite part of the film, and it was like a thirty-second clip <laughs> of them like flying. Yeah, that, and that was it. I was was this did in this bit? Did they also show his eyes going blue and like the fact that he can kind of like use her vision? Yeah, his cat eyes. I I didn't like it. Hated it. I didn't like it. I didn't like it. I didn't like, like, also when we then, and okay, this is another thing about the direction because they did at the beginning of the film, which made me laugh because they showed like when it was the narration and they were showing like a few like dragon riders like fight, but they did this narrate this like director, director's choice where like you were in the position of the dragon rider. So there was just like this bobbing head. Yeah, hate and they it. Did, hate they it. did it a couple of extra times, like throughout the film, and it was so stupid because it looked really dumb because it's like aged badly, so it just looks like it's a dummy, yeah. which is so stupid. Second of all, I felt again another anticlimactic point was like, oh wow, my like his eyes turning blue, he's like really surprised and shocked, shocked, and then the screen kind of starts to blur a bit and like tilt. And they've always put like an effect on it, and he's like, is this what you see? And I'm like what's the difference really what is yeah, but also, the difference is that it's, got, it's also like what a stupid dialogue it's like, <laughs> like the di- yeah literally like he's so sh- he says like really stupid shit the audience then sees what he's seeing and it's literally just like the same views of mountains and trees but with a vinaigrette on it like an instagram filter on <laughs> yeah like, it's literally like and what like oh she can just zoom in slightly like to a like a point but yeah. then that's about it like it's not but then, but then she's randomly got like heat sensors, so she can see Jeremy Irons like shouting, giving his commentary from the ground, which is so mate, funny. Mate, I literally wrote down, mate, literally, I wrote down like, why can Jeremy Irons? I think it was, oh, why can Jeremy Irons like, uh, like they're flying quite high up and it's really loud. Why yeah. can he like talk? Why can he shout that? Why far? can he shout that? Yeah. Just like nothing makes sense what? in this film. It's so stupid. I mean, a lot of this film doesn't make sense because, um the things that are looking for them like just look up and you'll see her she's flying 
above the tree. I thought that was also very like, strange. Like, get... they want to hide a dragon. They want to keep her safe, but they just also make her fly everywhere. Like, it feels really mm-hmm. stupid to me. It's ridiculous. Um, And then she gets hurt. And this is my favourite. This is my favourite prop in the film. It's not really a prop. But she gets her, her wing gets hurt when she's trying to save Aragon again from something stupid. I presume. I can't even remember what it was for. <laughs> and... Bron puts like a paste on her and I think it's a turmeric paste because I was like, yes, Ayurvedic medicine, that's the way to go. <laughs> yeah, there we go. I did like that bit. It was kind of like, it was kind of nice. It was just like interesting to see like this is a solution to a problem that like doesn't need to be, yeah. a- look, doesn't need to be explained verbally but can be explained visually because people will get it. Yeah, I was like, I, I like it. And then, again with the stupid question, they're having this conversation where they finally realise that Bronn was a dragon rider and then Aragorn's like, where's your dragon? Where do you fucking think it is? It's not flying around, is it? So where is it going to be? Do you know what? First of all, as audience, you kind of anticipate that that's what's happened because he's obviously mentioned everything in the past. But second of all, he yeah. then, like, he um, rips off, like, um, Bronn's, like, yeah. gr- like, hand thing and the scar is black. Like, yeah. Like, if you add like one and one and one together, it equals two. Like, come on, like. But also, like, was... did you not know from the minute that you found the sword in his house, like it's a jeweled sword that glows? How do you not know? This guy, th- like the the fate of this world is riding on a seventeen year old boy who literally has two brain cells. <laughs> like it's so stupid. Like he literally, <laughs> yeah, like literally. this this world is doomed. <laughs> yeah. Oh my god, they wrote him so badly. I'm hoping in the books he's smarter than this, but in the film he's so dumb. I feel like. Oh, it's bad. Oh, and then he decides, like you've mentioned, he then, what, decides to... Because he gets a vision from Arya. He decides, oh, I've got... Like, it's my yeah. duty to go save her. Gotta go save I've got to go save her. Which essentially means that they have to turn back and go a different way. Because the whole still the whole point is that they're, like, um, going to this, like, mountain bit to see the rebels. And then they turn yeah. back and, like, he... And then they get to, like, the lair... Or something. I kind of like this bit. I feel like I watched it and didn't take any of it in. They went in, and no, hundred percent. I can't. I can't even remember. <laughs> and like it. they went in, and th- because the only reason I mention this is because uh, this is where Aragorn and like the say the shade, the the evil guy that is like working for the king, like yeah. meet for the first time, and we see like his like evil powers or whatever. Like, and he like chucks a load of like spears at Aragorn because Aragorn at the time is like still trying to grow into his powers and figure it all out. And so he doesn't like, and he only has a bow and arrow. Of course, they only have a bow and arrow, and like literally the dumbest weapon ever. But like, um, it is, it is, it is like it's too much to hold. Don't, don't. It is. It, I mean, it's just because it looks cool, right? Does but it look cool? Though? Swords are your friends' friends. <laughs> Does it look cool? Okay, and then, but then like one of the spears comes basically towards Aragorn, and then Jeremy Irons just like jumps in front of him, and then and like basically sacrifices himself. Like, how does he get that? It's so anticlimactic the death is so anticlimactic and then like they carry him away and like Aragorn tries to like do some magic to like give him some life back or whatever I don't fucking know like it feels a bit like spoiler it doesn't work it doesn't work (laughs) so then like they bury him under some rocks to give him like a king was it a king's burial something like that yeah and and then Saphira calcifies it so that he won't age Sorry, time will not ravage him is what she says, and I'm just. But like, what does that mean essentially when you're bit. dead? <laughs> right, who knows? Like, do you just <laughs> like 
I just thought, oh, is it just like a decoration, like a co- like a crystal thing? I, I, like because it just doesn't because make, it just didn't make sense. They made no sense. Like, but then they so then he's dead. So they introduced us immediately to a new sidekick, this weird boy with the dark greasy hair, who has the stupidest. Uh, is he supposed to be Irish accent I've ever heard in my Can life? Can I tell you who he is? Can I tell you who he is? I don't know. I go, I don't me. remember the actual name of the actor, but he is the guy. This is just some pop culture references and not to do with the film, but like he is the. Guy that Emma Roberts just had a baby with. Shut up! Yeah. We're now a pop culture what? podcast on the side. What? What? No, you have to rewind. What do you mean? So Emma and him are together and just had a baby together. I didn't even Emma, know he was like an I'm actual on, actor. Like I'm on first. Like, yeah, no, like your friend. <laughs> <laughs> I'm but like, what? He's he's grown up and he's actually an actor. I believe so. Yeah, I think they met. While making I, something. I would not have been able to tell from this film because his acting and his accent was so bad. How did he get cast for another <laughs> I one? Also, this is another thing about fantasy films, is that like because it's a new world and it's a world that's like built off imagination and like you can kind of like have any accent you want because like there is no real we no one is like no one is really told what kind of accent that, that this world has. Yes, but. He tried to do an Irish accent and then it became American and then at one point he's trying to do Scottish and it doesn't make sense. Just pick one. His, Just pick one and stick with it. His accent is uh, is um, is just not consistent and it's really distracting. He, do you know what he reminded of? I thought, I wrote down. I was like, this would have, this is this guy looks like what you would imagine Gale from Hunger Games to look like. Oh, yeah, more than definitely. like what they actually did made Liam Hensworth actually do, but like um, he he we find out he's like he's been lurking around occasionally in other scenes, but he hasn't really been like important enough to mention. But he then suddenly appears and he's like, "I'm here to help you and take you to the mountain." Blah blah blah. And then like, can I? Can we just take a pause and just talk about how funny the scenes are where like where Aragorn and Sophia, I don't know her name, but like the dragon, Sophia, have like mind conversations. So they're just it's just cutting from a dragon to a to like a boy, (laughs) just like smiling at each other, and it's just like it's just like awkward. (laughs) Like it's just awkward for everyone involved. It's so it's just awkward. It's just like also I don't think we've mentioned we're an hour in and we haven't mentioned that the dragon is Rachel Weisz, my doppelganger. Your doppelganger. I love her, but why did she pick? How did she? How did they get her for this film? I don't understand. Mate, how did they get John Malkovich for this film? <laughs> so, I mean, like how? But he puts on a terrible performance. I feel like maybe he was drunk. <laughs> maybe, maybe. But I thought he would also be in it a bit more, but he wasn't in it that much. Um, yeah, but I think there were plans to have him. Oh, obviously, but... like the way it ended, they was he was probably going to be the main villain in the next two. Like he was the bigger, he was yeah. a bigger, he was like the bigger battle. So like this random emo guy has come and turned along. He's like sad about life, obviously, but he's like you know recluse. But he's like interesting. I thought I did think about it. Like if I grown up, if I like had grown up reading the books and like obviously saw this film, I think I'd be like probably have a crush on him over Aragorn because he was like yeah. mysterious. And he was like, yeah, the yeah, yeah, definitely. He was like the mysterious bad boy. Um, and then, <laughs> and then, but 
it's just all of it. I feel like Aragorn is just so unlikable that I just don't care. It's about also it. because even at like age, what we what, what did we say? How old we were? Like two thousand. So it's like two thousand and six. So we like. Yeah, so, like 12 or 13. So 12 or 13. Like, I was smart enough to know that, like, dumb boys are not attractive. No offence. <laughs> but, yeah. But, yeah, so he's just appears. But then the thing is, and then he's, like, taking them to, like, the the, the mountain thing with the rebels. But this whole thing, I got really tired of it, was, like, the dragon would always talk to Aragorn and be like, we've got to, like, really trust people more. Like, we've got to, like, do this, like, blah, blah, blah. Like, he, like, she was, like, her, again, extra work because it's a woman, but, like, the voice of reason and all this kind of crap that just was, like, giving, telling him what to do, even though he kind of was, it was easy and an easy choice. I don't know. It just annoyed me a bit more. And also that recurring saying of, like, don't ask for, don't ask permission, ask for forgiveness. Yeah, better to ask forgiveness than ask permission. It's such a stupid job because then they get to this part this is like the crux of the film, right? Mm. So they finally get to the rebels, and then it's so shit and it's so boring. So they've been rebels for like X amount of years, and as soon as Aragorn gets there, their their stronghold is infiltrated and stuff starts to collapse, and then they're in a full on war in like five this minutes. This is what I thought because I was thinking, how the hell have they like if this has been going on for years and years and years, and this whole kind of like this group of people have been have been uh, hidden away, like living in secret, like trying to plan. Have they just been, first of all, been waiting around for this like random cemetery boy to become the next dragon rider? Then, second of all, have like the enemy known where they've been hiding this whole time? Did they, how did they know? Did they get told? Yeah, I just don't get it. And then it's so annoying. And then we're introduced finally in like seventy minutes to our first non-white people in this whole thing. Oh, I wrote down, I did, okay, this is where I started to get really pissed off about the costuming. His, his and his daughter's costume, they looked love. they looked great, but I did have an issue with, they did him dirty with his hair. Yeah, and also, why is he bare-chested when he's going into battle? Like, where's the protection? He has no armour. He has no armour, he's wearing, he's wearing, even the, and... I'm just like, okay, whatever, like, this is so racist. And all the clothes, I'm so over And all it. the clothes that he does wear are super not efficient for battle at all like there's loads of other men in that battle that are wearing actual stuff but because he what he's like actual armor and trousers i'm sorry they put armor on the dragon and not a dragon a black actor and not a black character (laughs) wow this is we i hate it it's so frustrating i hate it it and then and then the, just the battle was shit. I was so bored. I was just like, when is this going to be over? Do you know what's more, a better, better battle than this? Anything else. But like, literally, Lord of the Rings. Anything else, Lord of the Rings. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, but Lord of the Rings is holding it at a higher echelon. This is not even... I know, but my the only reason I come back to Lord of the Rings is because Lord of the Rings like kind of came out around this... this went. But yes, this battle was really boring. Yeah. Also felt like... Like, it happened in a really small space, so it kind of just, nothing really did happen. And speaking of the battle scenes, because we previously said, like, um, the battle, like, what the fight, anything fighting in action was really dull. I felt that, like, when you had close-ups of certain people actually fighting and stuff, but then, like, the behind, the background people, like, the it felt like the director was literally like, here's a weapon, just fly it around your head when I say action, <laughs> to, like, look like you're moving. Yeah. But, like, 
but like yeah, yeah, yeah. you don't need to make too much of an effort because we kind of won't see you and it's just the vibe of something being swung so it feels like there's like a random there's just random men just like you know twiddling around throwing up like, hey, like you know yeah. like weapons I'm just like the effort is bare minimum in this film honestly and like then half the battle then ends up in the sky anyway and this is where I kind of get bored yeah. of this whole like weak ass dragon because I'm just like, what are these stupid rules? Like she, I know she gets bitten, but she has armor and it still can't protect her. And then there's this like magical smoke dragon, and like then suddenly, oh, also, did you notice the makeup change in the evil yeah. guy? Didn't he look really creepy? <laughs> he, I was just like, this is creepy for a kids film now. I would have nightmares if I was a child. If I was like y- younger and watching that. I would have been really nervous about it. Yeah, I feel like they made him real scary. Like, not kid scary. And, like, I don't know what rating this film was. We should probably do that. Like, we should find out what ratings they are. Was it more than PG-13 or was it, like, a 15? I feel like it must have been a PG-13. But it doesn't tell you. I I don't know. It doesn't. No, it's a PG. Because it's PG for intense battle scenes and fantasy. I don't know if... If you had a kid, would you take a kid to see this? I wouldn't take him to see this in cinema. No, I wouldn't. Screaming children. I wouldn't. I wonder who did see it in cinema. Um, Yeah, I wonder if it's a film that I would have gone to see in cinema. I think my... Okay, so, just a caveat for this. mm -hmm. (laughs) For this episode. My dad read this to us Mm. when we were younger because my youngest brother was born around the time the first, second book came, first book came out. So, yeah, Dad would read to us and stuff, and my dad really liked fantasy films and books, that's his vibe, completely. So we kind of grew up on that kind of stuff, and those are the things that he likes to read, so he would read aloud. And they really liked them, so as father and son, they really liked them together. And then I remember his children saying that they were really disappointed, because I didn't finish until the, the last book didn't come out it wasn't that long ago, I don't feel like. But um, they were saying that they were really disappointed. And then they the same thing happened with the Percy Jackson and they were so upset about it. And Same here. I don't... I just don't think that... And my dad's, like, a, a fan of these kinds of films and stuff. And even he didn't go in... So he could have taken myself or my other brother and To, to go and see didn't. the cinema. So yeah, so I feel like there was a choice there because... We went to see, like, Lord of the Rings is scary for kids, and he took us to see that, like, we were first in for those. And, you know, there are, like, scary-ish films for kids, like, I love horror films, I really like kids' horror films, like The Little Vampire and stuff like that, they're quite sweet. But I don't feel like this is a film that my parents would have taken me to see. No. In, in cinema at all. Like, I think it's one of those, wait for it to come on TV, or, you know, wait for it to go on Sky, whatever, obviously we didn't have Netflix back then, but. I rented it's, this. It's just weird. It's like a weird concept. Yeah, yeah from Blockbuster. I rented this one. <laughs> I definitely did that I rented too. this on Blockbuster, I think, or and or rented it from my school library. That's your That's your <laughs> your thing. That's my thing, because, uh, yeah, yeah, I was a library prefect also. So just to top it off. But, um, Love it. No, I agree. But you know I, mean? I, like, agree. I don't know if I would have gone to see it in cinema, like, if I was an adult taking a child to see something. Because this is not a film that an adult would go and see, I don't think. Whereas, like, there are kids' films that adults would go and see. Like, I would definitely go and see How to Train a Dragon in cinema. But I wouldn't have gone... I don't think I would have gone to see this. Yeah, no, I get that. And I also think if you compared it to, like, other fantasy novels that have been ad- ad- adapted, 
there is a dry like if you've if you've loved reading these books and growing up with them then and then it suddenly gets turned into a film then you're excited to go and see it visually but like maybe then it just wasn't loved enough like I felt like there maybe wasn't hype behind it I don't know like I don't remember like mm. I don't remember there being like people you know really T- talking, talking about, about it. it in the in the lead up to it being released so whereas there obviously was for Lord of the Rings and there was for uh Harry Potter and stuff but then those those yeah. kind of films are completely different like that kind of fan mania is like you I don't even know what we can compare it to now. I don't know if there's anything been similar in the last ten years. So I guess like... Marvel, but oh yeah, fair. And they kind of they are based off like books too. But then I guess those are for children and adults. You know, like yeah, they're, they're not solely just so kids. They're, they're not solely just kids stuff. Yeah, they're not. But kids. yeah, no, I don't um, think my, I don't think if I had a child, I now I know this film. I don't think I would actually met a kid watching this. I think it might scare them a bit too much, or maybe also. Be, be too confusing yeah i think it's one of those that is both it's both a bit scary in that there's not a lot of scary stuff but the stuff that is scary is scary especially for children and then it's it is quite confusing and then it's just not enough to hold the attention and also i feel like the good thing about kids films i think nowadays is that there's always something to keep the parents going as well you know like there's so much adult humour in like let's just even talk about Pixar films mm. there's so many jokes that went over my head as a as a kid but now I'm just like that's funny yeah they 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 they, they, they um write the films for both audiences yeah. which shows which shows exactly. like good writing yeah and I know I've talked about this in this in this podcast but Inkheart is a great film and it translates well and it's done really well maybe I just really like Brendan Fraser I don't know odd jury's out on that one still <laughs> But um, this one is just like a very. I feel like everyone is quite unlikable. All the characters don't have an enough character personality and don't have any character arcs. The characters when you met, like the character was, was still the same character when you met when you, when they like the film ended when you left them to when they when you mm. met them. Like there was nothing. There was no nothing new about them that we were introduced especially Arya I think and maybe the only person the only character I could arguably say that was slightly developed more than others was Jeremy Irons character because he has a bit of a backstory yeah. but it's still not not enough and that's mostly because he was used as a vessel to explain half the shit that needed to be explained yeah but like the I think again this is probably this was probably because they wrote it thinking that they had two more films that they could just leave a lot of things yeah. out. Can I just say that in my notes, I didn't write a single thing about the battle because it just didn't hold my attention. No, at all. the only thing that I wrote about the wrote about it was like talking about the battle that was about to happen, and then it was the scene where the crowd, the rebels, realize who this like new guy is. Like, I'm gonna call him like, yeah. Gale, but he's not Gale. He essentially he is the father. No, he's. I, the I think s- his name's Myrtle. Oh, okay, cool, that name. But he's the son of a dragon rider that essentially also has been previously mentioned he killed did he kill jeremy irons dragon i do not remember basically he's an he's a not not very liked character like his dad was not very liked and essentially me and he's obviously i think wasn't his dad the guy that was one of the rogue riders and and he did kill dragon i did i think he he basically was one of those riders that turned against he like sided with the like the evil guy the king and like wanted all the power for himself and he essentially killed dragons. Oh. 
he's the son of Morzan, who is, yeah, one of the people that um, Galbatorix was managed, like, managed to convert. Yeah, and so he's got this story arc of, like, he doesn't, he's like, doesn't, even though his, like, uncle's, his dad is evil or whatever, he's, like, nothing like his, un- his dad. But they don't trust him anyway. Yeah. And then, like, I wrote down, okay, cool, they're talking about a battle scene that's supposed to happen and we've got 20, 20 minutes left of the film. Like, how is all, how is this all going to be tied up? And, like, and then, <gasps> like, it wasn't yeah. tied up because they left it on a cliffhanger. And then um, the battle scene was really boring and it, and it also felt like the way that the battle ended and, like, they were defeated was really, like... I he, they Aragorn or the dragon or whoever basically said you need to go for the heart, and I was like, how do you know that? Yeah. <laughs> like how yeah. how like I know that you go for the heart to kill someone, but like this is some guy with like dark magic. Surely there's a more there's a bit more oh, of a complicated way. He, oh, he but he only knows that because Bron told him that. <sighs> okay, of course. Because the main in, expl- you know when he goes to save when he goes to save Arya, he shoots him through the head he sh- he shoots Derza through the head and then he's like oh yeah I killed him and Brom's like did you shoot him through the heart that's the only way to kill a shade oh my so, yeah God. I remember something there you go that's my that's my takeaway from this film oh. that's all I remember okay well there we go that explains it so then like they defeat him with the sword and then they and then, oh, collapse they, to the they ground because like, the dragon's in Aragorn like magically doesn't break any of his bones and he's fine he then collapses. He tries to save his dragon because the dragon's injured. Um, and, like, then he just yeah. collapses. And it's too much for him. And then they ask, like, where Arya, Arya is. And she's, like, already, like, left to go and do something. So he decides to um, to meet her, to catch her up. And then this is where I start, This is where I wrote most of my notes about the costume. Because I got so yeah. angry about these stupid Tell costumes. Me. First of all, Aragorn's, like leather cloak leather is really heavy the metal bits probably also quite heavy this is a you're wearing this on top of a dragon who's already complained that she can't carry three people why are you weighing her down even more second of all and the most the thing that really bugged me to the point where i literally didn't i cannot remember anything from this end scene and anything they talked about because it was so boring but it was the most distracting thing aria and her guards are so obviously wearing or appropriating Native American dress. Thank you! Thank you! It is so frustrating that I was just watching this. I was like, this needs to not be here. It is so... The freaking feather in her hair! There is a feather in her hair. Shut up! There is... It's like... Like, not burlap, but, like, you know, like, linen with, like, feathers and fur. And, like, then you can see in the back when she's, like, got a cloak on and blah, blah, blah. She's got, like, a barn and plaits and, like, two feathers in her hair. Then you can see behind her, her guards have got, like, a red. And they've got, like, embroidered flags with arrows through them that have also got feathers and fur. And, like, it's just this... And, like, but they're embroidered with what obviously looks like, you know, beads and colours that are very, very close to, like, essentially what you think a native... Cult, like Native American like cultural dresses and it not and it just like ruined the whole scene and it takes away from the whole scene because it's so distracting and it's just like a load of white people who designed the costumes for this film I want to chat to them and be like what are you doing like it was so annoying yeah. and it was so annoying and I'm, I just was like what why I hate it I hate it <laughs> I was so annoyed by it because, like, the costumes sometimes, especially in fantasy films, costumes are really, really intricate and fun, and like, they're so 
And they're so important. Like I said, it's like, it's how a character expresses themselves a lot of the time. Usually a, a costume becomes an iconic piece of the character's imagery for a lot of the fans. You, like, we all can think of a, pe- a co- costume from a specific film and like think instantly you think of a character whereas like yeah. this first of all none of the costumes in this film are memorable no there's no i there's no iconography in this yeah and if they are memorable it's because they're really bad or they're really offensive yeah or they're like either offensive in their own way or they're offensive to the character that's wearing them yeah first of all someone should have at least pointed this out in reviews or complained about complained about it when it came out if not someone should have vetoed this when it went through design process because this is so stupid like but i also like i hate it when they do this because it's so lazy because they just act like black and brown people don't exist and it's just white people everywhere no bitch what are you talking about there's free free movement of people and also there's so many traumatic things that you took from countries including people exactly and then you're just gonna act like you're fine and no one of no one that just like everyone is white that's not the norm yes yeah, so frustrating really annoying. and they do it a lot especially in fantasy or they'll make the villains darker skin or dress them in like it's such a it's such a like a race politics thing i hate it yeah it's like the you know you know the villain is always like central to eastern european or middle eastern or yeah like a darker skin tone but it's obvious like you see it a lot like like let's talk about lord of the rings like they do that there where all the elvish people are white and fair and beautiful and you know the epitome of good and then all the all orcs and sauron is just like a black or a fire ball and it's just like an obvious an obvious thing about race and nobody ever acknowledges it and it really makes me angry because what you just expect those people to not exist it like what and it's if it's not such a direct thing like casting it's just it's also it's just seen within the props and costumes and roles of the characters that they play and like in this yeah. specific specific thing it was like this was another line that i hated it was like yesterday you were just a farmer's boy and now you're a hero and I'm like, again, what was Ugh. this, like, timeline? It's so stupid. But also just, like... <laughs> yeah. Also, weren't they on a time limit? I felt like there was, like, a, a pressurised time limit. And then, what, they're trying to act like they've been doing this for a month or something. I didn't... It doesn't make I sense. I didn't get it. I just didn't get it. But basically, his clothes made him look really arrogant. That was, like, the impression that you give. And then she's, like, regressed from what essentially was, like, kind of, like, a fine... Like, his her costume... Pre- was like previously alright, it wasn't anything special. To now like what is this supposed like appropriating a culture that isn't even mentioned or part of this world or has and has historically also been very oppressed. And now and what? What is this like her like is she is are the el do the elves dress like this in this in this world? Is that what their plan was? Is that in the next couple of films that like, all the elves that were like her kind were gonna dress like Native Americans? And I thought, like, how stupid do you need to be? Even just at a glance, it's so obviously like, incorrect to do this. It's not, it's wrong to do this. Like, and it's so obviously inspired by a culture. How did you think you were yeah. going to, like, I want to know how they thought they were going to get away with it personally, because it's just like the most jarring thing. It was like the first thing I ever saw. The first thing I saw in this whole, yeah. this whole scene. And then uh, that's why I didn't, rec- I don't remember anything from this scene until it ended. 
I just don't know. I don't know how they get away with it, but they have been for years, and now like people are calling them out, and people will listen to this and be like, "Why are they so angry about this? It's it's just a film, and it's not just a film. Like this is a cinematic legacy, and it's put out into the world. You know, like those things then cross languages and barriers and all these things. People still watch them, and it's not. It's it's never just. This a is film. also not just a film because it's essentially a children's film, and the kids at this age who watch this their minds are like molded by what they see right and what they what they entertain themselves with so like the if we normalize it and it's seen on screen then it's like it's not it's not it's not good and like it's also never i also it's just it's also never too late to do the right thing by calling it out yeah ignoring it is not going to ever fix a problem is it that the whole well, we're like we're talking about old films. We're gonna talk about how they have aged badly. That's probably part. Of, that's part of the podcast. I mean, we just talk about all films, and I feel like even films that they did last year, some of them I'm just like, what are you doing? Like, how have you? How are we doing this still? We're still doing it in 2020. Not we're, but you know, people are still doing it in 2020. We're in 2021. What am I even talking about? But you know, it's just I'm so bored of it. I'm. Like, I'm a woman of colour. It's just so boring to see. And, like, there's things that people just gripe on about, about old films and classic films, and they're iconic because of this. And I'm just like, well, they're racist, sexist, and stereotypical. I'm sorry it's not part of my canon of favourite films. Yeah, yeah, it makes them less enjoyable to watch as in now. Oh, okay, now, like, the film ends basically with John Malkovich. Thank God. Sorry, I was I couldn't wait for this film the to be film over. Then, and then they did the like little bit at the end, and I was like, oh god, the film this, ends. This cliff end, this cliff ending, like sorry, cliff hanging ending. It like they just shot themselves in the foot, really. Yeah, they could have really ended it like celebrating the battle, probably, and it would have been like fine. But like they ended it with John Malkovich essentially showing his dragon. Yeah. So, which leaves me to think that like. Why did I think for the whole film that this was the only dragon left? I feel like they make it out like that. And then is it supposed to be a big reveal that there's actually another dragon that's been hide, been kept hidden away? Yeah, I think so. I think that's the vibe. That's the vibe of the film. The book is different, but the vibe of the film is. Different. Okay, I get it. Cool. Right. Okay. Interesting. So then it's the end, and then we get to the credits, and the best part of the film happens, Ooh, and Avril Lavigne's Avril Lavigne's, Avril Lavigne's iconic hit keep holding on please and i actually did watch the credits just to let just to get to the like the first chorus because i was like this is a this holds up a bit it's a good song i do not understand why why they didn't play a joss stone song though there we go she how she was contracted to be in the film she had to be in the film but then i'm not gonna lie this is how this is how the um film came into my you know, world is because at this age I was I was a yeah. massive fan of Avril Lavigne, like hardcore. I mean, fan. who was hardcore it? What fan? A, what a heroine! I know hardcore fan. A heroine of the two thousands that we needed. Finding out that she has, she was like, she was obviously releasing albums and releasing her own music, but then to find out that she was on a film soundtrack where like she would be like yeah, put into the true. world where like people who don't listen to her normally was actually going to listen to her. That was super exciting for little old me. The it, cultural impact of this film is keep holding on. Yeah, 100%. No doubt about it. That I feel like that's the only cultural impact of this film. And to know that people, like, just is a, not a very good one. Um, and people really, really hated it. 
Which is quite funny as well. Well, like I said, I think that this film would have been, would, if they wanted to, if this book series, if they wanted to reboot it and like revisit this kind of world, they could definitely do it better as a TV show. Oh, 100%. They could do a season per book, right? It would be really good. Yeah, that's what they're doing Percy Jackson now. Finally, we'll get the representation we deserve. HBO did like a pretty, I mean, arguably a bit bad later in the seasons, but they did like Game of Thrones lasted ages and they got all the detail they needed. Ish. Can I tell you one thing that's going to blow your mind? Tell me. This director, he did the cinematography, no, he directed the visual effects for Game of Thrones season eight. So he got his redemption on his dragon. Oh, nice. Shall I guess what this film got? Do you know? No, I haven't looked. But I was just going to say that it actually got... It actually did really well in the States, more so than it did here. It was the highest grossing... No, 31st highest grossing film of 2006 in the US, which actually, you know, isn't that great. But still... No, it's 31st! (laughs) Not even top 20! I thought I misread that. (laughs) But no, it... um, it was, it, yes, originally Aragon was supposed to be the first in a franchise. They didn't even say how many other films. We just assumed that it would be a trilogy, but they said a first in a franchise based off the Inheritance Cycle book series. Yeah, because I think at the time, I think at the time, Christopher Paoloni had said that the books were going to be a trilogy and then he made them in four. So, so the Inheritance Cycle was made up of four books not three like he originally said yeah and then uh so the fact so and because of the poor reception of this film everything was cancelled yeah i mean come can you blame them um okay so what did it get on imdb i'm gonna say 4.6 4.6 imdb it i am oh it got 5.1 out of 10 for imdb do you want to... I was going to say 4.8 and that, that would have made me higher, but I'm still, I don't feel like I want to give it that. <laughs> Rotten Tomatoes, they must have done so shockingly bad on that. I'm going to say like 20%. <laughs> Lower, it was 16%. Nice. I like Rotten Tomatoes. I feel like they give the rating that I would give. I gave this like a, I gave this a 1 out of 10. This is, this for me was a 1 out of 10. It was yeah. Like there was nothing. I gave Holiday more than I gave this. Yeah, but the Holiday had like, like the Holiday was still slight. There was a bit more enjoyability in the Holiday, I think, than this. This was. I feel just... like it's even, and it's more memorable. And this yeah. is a fantasy world building film, and I don't really remember anything about it. And I rewatched it yesterday. Yeah, if you ask me tomorrow if I remember any of it, probably not. Nothing, my friend. Not, not. No, there's nothing really. Also, no, yeah, there's just nothing wrong. Uh, so I gave it one out of ten. You gave it one out of ten. Um, um, that was it, really. What? Oh, <laughs> oh um, like don't watch just, it. There's loads of other films that you could watch. Instead. Literally, don't watch it if you're if you if you really want a nice a good action fantasy film with a bit of magic in it. There's so many other options. So choose Lord of the Rings. Literally, just watch Lord <laughs> of the Rings. Like, oh my God. I mean, I'm coming off like just a recent rewatch of all three of them, so I'm a bit biased. But like, still, there's so many other options that you can watch, or just watch any old film. Don't waste your time on this. Yeah, I agree. So, 
Yeah. Alright, friends, if you have any recommendations that you'd like us to do, please email us at badfilmpod at gmail.com. Yeah. Is that um, our email address? Is it the bad film pod? It's a bad film pod. Okay. <laughs> we're professionals. And we, we are. know what we're doing. We're organised. Um yes. So we'll see you next week. Bye. 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 Do you love the Bad Film Club? Consider supporting us through the ACAR supporter feature. It's up to you how much you want to give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in our show description to support us in any way that you can. We really appreciate it.